Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Well, I'm going to continue in this series on um, spiritual thinking. And, you know, one of my favorite things to do is make weird mystical stuff practical. Not take the spiritual element out of it, not take the life-giving element out of it, but just, you know, we, we can get a little weird sometimes, can't we? Especially those of us that still believe in the gifts and believe that God speaks to you and believe that, uh, you know, that the Holy Spirit is active. It just gets downright weird sometimes. And weird is okay. If you're weird, it's all right. I don't want to take your weird away from you. You like weird? You want to be a little bit weird sometimes? And when I say weird, I mean inconsistent, right? Meaning it's like, well, God told me to do this, and then he told me to do that, and then he told me to do that. And it's like, well, I just don't know if you're hearing God. I'm not sure you're hearing God. Because I don't think he would lead you to be flaky. I think he would lead you consistently into life and peace and truth. Amen? I think he would lead you consistently in the desires of your heart. Lead you consistently in what Jesus paid for you to walk in. Amen? So this, here, here's, here's the difference between carnal and spiritual thinking. Here's carnal thinking. I'm depressed. Here's spiritual thinking. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. That's really the biggest difference, right? When we think spiritual thinking, you don't have to necessarily think about spare body part rooms in heaven. If that's there, whatever, praise God. Or even hearing a voice per se, it's this very thing, and that is taking something that brings you hope that is expressed through God's love for you, especially in the life of Christ, and resting in that, letting that be an anchor for your soul. So here's what I want to challenge you to do this week is find something in your life where you can apply that basic principle. Carnal thinking is this, I'm depressed. Usually carnal thinking, and when I say carnal, I don't mean evil thinking. I just mean like flesh thinking. Like you look at the world and, and it filters to you and in your mind and how you think about life and what you think your possibilities are. And maybe you might think about God somehow mixed in. In fact, when you're in carnal thinking, God's way out there, right? You're thinking, well, where are you? I don't understand. You know, when you're in carnal thinking, you start trying to interpret rainbows to figure out what the will of God is for you. I mean, seriously, we start looking at, well, that bird is flying at that angle, and that angle means this, and the numbers, and those add up to this. And this. We can, I'm telling you, people get weird when they start trying to... When you're in carnal thinking, and you're not in experiencing intimacy with God, and just living out of a sense of your natural connection with Him you start looking at the world and trying to filter and understand God through circumstances. And your circumstances are about the least spiritual and effective way to interpret the will of God. They just are. If you look at things that happen, especially bad things, and you think, God, why are you doing that? Like if Ron and Linda were sitting there trying to wonder why God allowed him to have cancer, that'd get confusing, right? God's not interested in sickness. I mean, what parent wants their kids sick? Do any of you that have kids want your kids sick? It's, it's the last thing you want, right? So spiritual thinking versus carnal thinking. Carnal thinking is not necessarily, boy, I'm really thinking I want to get out of here. I want to go sin really good today. You know, it's not, not necessarily. It's just that you're looking at life and you're not factoring in who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you and the hope that you have because of that. 
So if you're sitting there, and I mean, I'm telling you, a lot of people struggle with depression. If you struggle with depression, don't beat yourself up. There's no condemnation. I don't blame you. This world's not really functioning the way God designed it, right? But we have a hope even in the midst of that. And that is the challenge. True repentance is not when you go to God and you convince him how sorry you are, and then he releases some forgiveness for you. True repentance is when you realize and you say, man, I have forgotten that I'm forgiven. I have forgotten God. I'm not really factoring in God's love for me in this moment. I'm not factoring in that this grace that is within me can strengthen me and empower me beyond this thing that I keep falling and failing in. I'm not remembering the price that God paid for me. That leads you to carnal thinking, and carnal thinking leaves you looking at the world thinking suicide, thinking that bottle will bring you more peace than grabbing hands with your spouse and praying, right? I mean, let's get real for a minute. Because spiritual thinking is, yeah, my life is messed up. Things aren't working out. I see this promise, but I really, it's just, I'm just, it's nowhere near my life. But what I know is that there's a hope greater than this, there's a hope greater than this situation. I can look to the spirit of the living God and trust that he will be God for me. So we've been talking about these ideas of how, how do you incorporate spiritual thinking because it tends toward life. So how can you get, think about your situation, how can you get a life thought in your mind and in your heart that is a promise directly from God, whether it be a scripture that you find or just something that you know is just out of his character of relationship with you, and hold that in your heart and in your mind until it shifts what it is that you're experiencing in that moment. That is the hardest thing to do as a believer, it is, but it, it is the way to overcome temptation, and it is the way to come o- overcome the lies of the enemy, and it's the way to come overcome your knuckleheaded neighbor that's doing whatever he's doing. Are you with me? You taking a life principle, a promise out of the Word of God, and holding that within you, and having hope that God will be true to that promise for you until it produces a change in your life. And see, that's the part that we don't understand about spirit is we think, well, I'm going to take control here. Yeah, God's there and he's going to make me feel good and all that, but I got to do something. See, this is where I want to go this week. And there's some things that I want to bring out that we don't really fully understand. You can't quantify how God works in your life per se. You can know some things. You can know that God has good plans for you. Always. Not plans to hurt you, not plans to harm you, but plans to bring hope into your life, to bring you to an expected end. Amen? Amen. God's not interested in trying to take your life away from you. He's not interested in trying to take your, your finances away from you. The way that God works is with his word and his spirit inwardly, and he leads you and guides you into all truth. If he's got something that he needs you to learn, he will speak inwardly with his word by his spirit and lead and guide you, and it's your choice of whether or not you will allow yourself to be shaped and molded and follow that. You know, I talk to people all the time, and they're like, well, I went through this difficulty, and I learned this, and had I not gone through that, I would not have learned that. Well, you fool. (laughs) Now, you think that's harsh, but that's what Scripture says. The stripes are for the backs of the fool, but the wise... But wisdom is the best teacher. I just made that one up. It's something like that. (laughs) 
Somebody find that proverb and tell me. Yeah. And then in James, it talks about if you lack wisdom, ask God, he'll give it to you. Amen. And that you learn humility through wisdom. God is not trying to show up into your life and make it hard for you to humble you. He humbles you by saying, hey, how you're thinking right now, the choices that you're making, how you're living, that's not who you really are. This is who you really are. You're my beloved child. Amen. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Amen. Jesus. You are ahead. You're above and not below. The head and not the tail. All those things. That, that's who you are. And so what you do is you start hearing God speak those truths to you. And it's like, if that's not real to you, if you don't feel and believe that that is who you are, it feels like judgment. It feels like condemnation. And you will run to get away from that voice. I'm telling you, think about it. The next time you're facing sin and you feel like, this is just not who I am, that's God. You have a choice. In that moment, grace is alive. Grace being a strength and a power within you that's beyond what you can do on your own, and you can choose that grace in that moment. Every time. Amen. And that's where I want to go this week is mixing the choice of grace in with that spiritual thinking. Because we all do it. We're facing this world, this world's broken, this world's fallen, and we look and all kinds of things are messed up and our life's not exactly working out the way we want it to work out. That's just the way it's going to be. But you got a choice. In that moment, what is the life choice here? What is the God choice? What does God say about this situation? Who is Jesus in this situation? And how can I take that and hold that within my heart and in my mind till it starts to shift what I think is possible? And see, that's when spiritual thinking bears fruit unto life and peace is when what's possible begins to change. You might not have all the details. You might not figure out everything, but at least you can grab your own mind and repent and turn away from that death carnal thinking. Humble yourself. In other words, I am not this depressed being. I have the, the joy of God within me, and that is my strength. That is not real to me in this moment, but that's the truth. And I can hold on to the truth until it becomes real for me. That's your, that's your battle. I mean, that's the battle of every Christian on the planet. How do we step outside of our false reality and allow God's truth to be real for us? The fact that we are loved. The fact that we are forgiven. The fact that we are at peace. That you don't need anything in this world to complete you. That you are complete in Christ. Amen? Amen. That, that's the plight. How do you do that? And I just gave the one example in depression and the joy of the Lord being your strength. And it's like, well, that sounds really good, but what does that look like for me? Well, that's what you and God get to work out. This is your homework. It's homework assignment number one this week. Take some time and think about something that you're going through in your life. And think about, okay, this, and be honest with yourself. This is how I feel. This is where I'm really blowing it. This is where I'm missing it. You know, denial is a real thing. But it, you got to learn how to deny the right things. Deny that overthinking pattern of judging yourself and filtering who you are through other people's words or filtering who you are through your failures. That is not how you come to the conclusion of who you really are in Christ. You kind of have to let all of that stuff go. So I want to look at some things here, a couple of scriptures, and just... Help us start thinking in terms of understanding that having a supernatural worldview, having a spiritual worldview 
is less about interacting with unseen beings and less about the gifts, although we want the gifts in full operation, and it's more about how do I just interact with the wisdom of God? How do I interact with the knowledge of God? How do I interact with that, that peace that is very real that gives my soul assurance? How do I interact with that? And it's through relationship. Let me give you a couple of examples here. Um, you know, we've been talking about how in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is the word logos. Logos is where we get the word logic. So when you think about the Word of God, you're not necessarily talking about the Bible, the written Word per se. You're talking about God in the being that He is when He speaks and communicates the integrity behind what it is that He has spoken. In other words, I give mankind dominion over this planet. He can't go back on that. God can't go back on that and just do whatever He wants to on this planet. He has the power to do so, but the integrity behind the word of giving this planet to mankind, He can't break that. He has bound Himself to work through and with humankind. That's just the way it's set up. Now, could He override that? Absolutely. Is He strong enough to? Absolutely. Would He be justified in doing so? Sure. But that's not what he's going to do. He's not going to go back on the word that he's spoken. So the logos is about the character, the integrity. It's who God is. You know, it's, it's who he is as a being, whether or not you can trust what he says and what he doesn't say. Amen. So how do you interact with that part of who God is? So I saw a couple of actual uh, illustrations of the word in the Old Testament. Let's look in uh, Genesis 15 and verse 1. Now, I'm going to get to a point here, but I just kind of want to give you these examples. I just found this interesting. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Right? So the word, he saw it. So it wasn't that he necessarily spoke something to him as much as it was this concept that he got, right? That he had a vision of the word. Now, did he see a word? Have you ever had that? Like you're praying for somebody and you see a word on the top of their head or something like that? Yes. I just crossed into weird land, didn't I? <laughs> One yes. yes. I know you have. Yes. <laughs> All right, so the vision of the word. And then in 1 Samuel 3, this one's kind of long, but I, I, I want to show you this. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. I think we'll just go with that one. So again, you have the word associated with vision. Now, let's put up this graphic. I'm going to get technical on you. We're going to take you to class for just a minute. Y'all all right with that? It'll make you think for just a minute. This is a graphic that we go to a lot. You know, we talk about these concepts a lot. If you can't see it back there, you can make your way up here to read. But essentially, what we've got is the passage up here. Above all else, guard your heart. It affects your whole life. And as you think in your heart, so are you. Now, remember, the promise of the new covenant is that God gives you a new heart. He gives you an, a new core. In Colossians, he tells us that he actually, a circumcision without hands is performed on us where the root of sin is taken out of you. The flesh is taken out of you. And the flesh that's taken out of you is that core of sin, not your body. There's two applications of flesh. One is your skin. One is that inner 
uh, part that is at enmity with God. He takes that out of you and gives you a new heart. And it says that he writes his word in that heart. His laws and his commands are written in that heart. See, his laws and commands used to be written in stone, and you would look externally and say, how do I need to behave today? I read this. I need to perform that. Now it's based on identity. God's expectation of, what, of a human is written deep within who you are. It's natural for you to just live the way God would lead you to live. And it's not about rules and keeping statutes. It's about living as a child of God on this planet the way that God designed it to live, in right relationship with Him. So laws become instruction rather than rules that you got to keep to be accepted. Amen. Are you with me? So if you just kind of look at this concept and you start thinking about the idea of spiritual thinking, you think about the idea of the, the law now, God's instruction, God's wisdom. So if you think on this side of the cross, do yourself a favor and think about law as wisdom and instruction rather than rules to keep to be accepted. Are you with me? So like all this equipment up here, you use it the wrong way, you get fried. You use it the right way and you get what we had this morning, right? All right, I know, I know I'm packing a lot in here, but I want to boil it down to a couple of simple things as I start to close here. But, so you got spirit, soul, and body. Now, you can't really quantify us by circles and shapes. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it's hard to say this is this and, and, and try, to, try to explain all that, but just to kind of conceptualize some things. We know about the Word that it's living. And the Word is not just the Bible. It's that character of God, the integrity of God, the spoken aspects of God's commandments, and the, the thing that holds everything together, that wisdom that you can actually interact with, the knowledge of God that God is in you that is leading and guiding you into all truth that Jesus said that the Spirit would do, right? He said when the Spirit comes, He will lead you and guide you into all truth. All of that happens deep within you. So you are made one with God in spirit. Amen? Amen? Like when you look at your spirit, it would be hard to separate where you are and where God is. Are you God? No. Are you going to become a God? No. But God calls himself your husband and he's bound himself to you and he's so intermingled himself with you that you are one with him in spirit. Now, here's the difficulty of Christianity is to live in that reality. Amen. Is to live in that union. Because it's true of you, and that's the eternal part of you, and that's what's more real than anything. Right? But because you have a choice, because you have dominion on this planet, and because you have responsibility to respond to God, there's all these other facets of you. But he puts that part, the deepest part of who you are, where you start to have your own individuality, he puts that part in connection with himself, and he puts his wisdom and instruction in there. This is where we have to learn how to live. Most of us live in our brain, reinforcing our ego, who we think we are, battling for what we think is right. That's where we get all these political divides. That's where all these racial things come in. All the things in this world that identify us and all the things that separate us and splinter us apart those are the things that we're fighting for rather than fighting for the truths of who we are in spirit. Amen. Amen? 
And I would love to see the body of Christ actually figure this stuff out where we show the rest of the world, look, black, white, whatever, Chinese, European, doesn't matter. We're all the same in the body of Christ. But this is where we live is in our brain, in our carnal thinking, looking at the world, trying to reason things through based on what has happened to us, based on what we think should happen for you, based on what we think God has said and what he doesn't do anymore. And then what we do is we take all of that happens in the world and we filter that and we blame that on God. Because if you carry a theology that says God's in control, you're going to be confused quite often. If you have a theology that says he's preordained everything that happens and nothing is happening without filtering through his hands, I don't blame you for being confused. That's where we come up with these words that are 12 letters long that don't really mean anything. It's like, okay... I understand that you understand that and you, you have that word, but what does that really mean to you in terms of what God wants to do in your life and what he wants for you on this planet? So here's where we're going today. And we talk about this so much in here, but what is it for you that makes that spiritual connection with God real for you? How do you get to that place in your mind and in your heart and in your soul, and in your emotions, where your union with God is more real to you than anything else? Is it worship? Is it reading the Bible? Is it just sitting and staring at a tree and just, you know, that happened to me not too long ago. I was just out and watching, and I just felt just complete. I didn't feel separate from anything. I felt one with everything. Amen. Not in an animus type of way, but just like I was part of God's creation. I wasn't, I wasn't separate trying to encounter this world or experience this world. It was like we were just all an expression of God's creation, right? That was more real to me in that moment than anything. And I think if the body of Christ can get to a place like that, where first and foremost for ourselves, we can actually start making a difference in this country and around the world and start breaking down all these divisions that we see. But it has to do with you taking that word in spiritual thinking, depression and joy is the most simple example that I could come up with for you to take and hold that within you. But what, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go out of church today after that amazing worship and trying to understand, you know, somebody that's trying to communicate a spiritual reality. You know, it's hard to put these things into, into words because ultimately what we're talking about is it's like me trying to describe your relationship with your spouse. Well, you know it the best. You know, what we get to do is we get to paint a picture for, of where you are with God so that you can insert yourself into that and have a relationship with him, right? Because if church for you is you coming and sitting in a row and looking at me and waiting for me to teach you something that you didn't know, you're doing it wrong. I'm, I'm telling the truth, you know, I'm telling the truth. And it's like, I want you to reevaluate why you're coming to church. What are you getting out of it? I, yeah, I want to teach you things. I want you to learn things. But more than anything, I want you to have a safe place to come where, like Ron and Linda are experiencing, you have family. Amen. You have relationship. Because one of the biggest things that you need to actually transition into spiritual thinking is relationship. Amen. Connection with people. If you can start to let yourself feel be loved by other people, maybe you can start to let yourself be loved by God. If you can start to love other people in spite of their issues, 
maybe you can start to understand how much you're worth to God. Rather than it being a religious exercise of doing evangelism or something like that, actually living in this place of when you wake up in the morning, the very first thing you think about is my God loves me. I am one with him. I am at peace with him. And as I go into this world, I might not like my job. I might not like my spouse. We'll pray for you if you, that's your thing. Come up here. We'll pray. I might not like the president. I might not like what I see on TV. Whatever, you know, let all that stuff go. Because if that stuff gets in your heart, man, it's, it's going to mess you up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make you forget who you really are and forget why you are breathing air. If you let all of those external things that are, that are battling for your mind and battling for your attention get into your heart, you're going to be confused. You're going to try, you're going to be, then you become angry with God. It's like, God, what? why? It's meaningless, meaningless, oh, meaningless, you know. I had somebody comment on a YouTube thing saying that, that exact thing, I'm like, you, you might should go read Ecclesiastes because you're not the first person to have thought that it's all meaningless. You ever thought that? Like you get to a place, you're like, well, these people are evil and they're succeeding, and these people are holy and they're broke. What's the problem? If you, if you, if you start rationalizing the will of God and the character of God based on your circumstances and other people's circumstances, you're not holding the true wisdom of God in your heart. You're letting a broken, fallen world steal your joy, and program your thinking contrary to who God is in you. And ultimately, His will for you is His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. 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 So having the word, let's go to that graphic just one more time. And I've got a series, if, you, you know, if you're relatively new here and you haven't seen this graphic, I have a, I don't know, it's like a 10-message series. It's free on my website. You can go check it out and listen to it if this is interesting to you. But it's absolute, and, and when I say communing with God in your heart, I don't mean that you're trying to look inward and hear a message from God. You know what I mean? Like, God, what am I supposed to do? And then, he's, and then he gives you a step, and then you do it, and then it works out perfectly. That might happen. I'm talking more about can you sit in that place and just allow your mind to be bathed with this relationship that you have with him? Because the more you understand who you are, the more it will determine and it will shape and it will lead you and guide you. And then life becomes fulfilling rather than you trying to fulfill all these obligations that you think you owe to God. You might not think that you do, but I'm telling you, you do. Because when, th when stuff goes wrong, you start going back in your life and you start, what did I do wrong? Okay, well, something bad happened. That must mean I did something wrong. God's allowing this into my life, so let me see, what did I do wrong? Oh, I forgot to tithe. God's taking my money away. That's a lie. God's, God is blessing. He is abundance in you. Amen? But here's what I want you to do this week. Take this, you know, reminder and go into your world and just pick something out, right? Because carnal-mindedness leads to death. Spiritual-mindedness leads to life and peace. Find an area that just feels dead in your life, whether it be this repetitive sin that you keep falling into, a relationship, I don't know, just whatever area that it is for you that you're, you, you've allowed the world to be more real to you than heaven to be more real to you in that moment, and just look at it. Be honest with yourself. 
Maybe it's something that you personally are struggling with. I, see, when this happens, I have to look down because I know what you guys are going through, a lot of you. <laughs> I could tell you, but no. The Holy Spirit is a much better teacher, and he's much smarter than I am, so we'll let him do that part. Amen? But, do, but seriously, take some time to do this. Pick an area of your life and, def, and understand, I am not seeing this area God's way. Not for condemnation, not to judge yourself, but that you've limited what's possible. I am not seeing the possibilities of God in this area. It's making me depressed. It's making me feel distant from God. It's making me edgy where I'm not getting along with the people in my house. There's something going on that's just taking away who I really am in Christ in this moment. Find that, identify it, sit, be honest with yourself, and then look at yourself in Christ. Can you even see it? Because remember we painted this picture of when the word of the Lord came, they had a vision. I want you to have a vision of what that part of your life looks like influenced by God. I want you to have a vision in your heart, an image, a picture in your heart of what that area of your life looks like if you were seeing God's options, if you were seeing it His way, or if you were experiencing His will in that area. Not to judge yourself, not to condemn yourself, not to try to find where you're falling short, but so that you, because you're, you're ultimately what you're doing is you're saying, God, I want to repent. I want to change how I'm seeing this. I want to set it aside. I want to adopt your mindset because I know that it will produce life and peace. I know that you only have good plans for me. I know that Jesus showed me exactly who you are. So, you know, and you, you kind of have to do that. You have to reaffirm over and over who God is, understand the character of who God is, and then use that as the filter to think through this situation. Is that too practical for you? I mean, seriously, I, I don't want to, you know, I can, we can get some woo-woo going on if you want. But. <laughs> and, you know, remember last week we talked about the whole brain science aspect of what's happening. Uh, your brain is constantly in a state of neuroplasticity. And those of you that have taken on different jobs later on in life, you realize that your brain can actually hurt when you have to learn a new skill. You ever had to do that, right? Later on in life, you're like, okay, I've got to... This is new. I never expected this. I've never known how to do this. But as I learn this, your brain actually has to reorganize itself. And the way that the neurons fire and neural passageways, and I don't get all the words exactly right, but your brain actually has to rewire itself to do this a different way. It's kind of like what you're doing is you're putting yourself in the position before the Father to let Him work from your heart and you're holding the thought in your mind to the point where you're actually reprogramming and reorganizing the physiology of your body so that it works together. Because if you don't take the time... Now, the point I bring up the brain part is because that's where the vision part. But this is where we stop. We don't hold the vision of God's promise in our heart and our mind inwardly to the point that it feels true for us. And I realize we talk about this all the time. We talk about this kind of thing all the time. But how many of you are actually putting it into practice? Don't feel bad if you don't. But I'm giving you something that, that it's worked for me. I mean, I, it's changed my life to be able to just stop, be honest with myself, recognize what's going on, 
Look at who God is. Understand the character of who He is revealed in Jesus. Find something that's true and hold on to that thing, and it just radically changes. A lot of times what you realize is like, what was I so worried about that thing for, you know? See, what we do is we wait for revelation. We worry, and we complain, and we mumble, and we get depressed, and we get stressed, and then something bad happens, and that because it gets completely out of your control, then you look to God, and then you see it, and you think, oh, well, God must have had to do that to me to get me to the place where I could see this. No, you can skip that whole process and just trust that wisdom can teach you way better than your error, Amen. than the failure. Wisdom is a much better teacher than failure is. I pray that you learn from failure. I pray that you don't, it doesn't stain your soul for the rest of your life, but I pray that you avoid it as well because you follow the wisdom of God. But what, seriously, what I want you to do is identify an area of your life, sit within it, be honest with yourself. Now, don't let it take over. Because sometimes when we, we're on, some of y'all are too honest with yourself. Some of you can beat yourselves up really good. Some of you can take that and look at it and feel it, and it feels really good to you to beat yourself up and feel really bad about yourself for some strange reason. Stop doing that. Stop it. Stop it. Just Revelation. Revelation. Stop it. Are you with me? Amen. I mean, I'm trying to talk to where we really live. We know we, we don't, a lot of times we don't take the time to pinpoint and understand ourselves inwardly and how we actually think and how we can interrupt those patterns and actually trust that the Word of God can bear fruit in your life and you can have hope. And remember how we talked about Sarah and Abraham and God spoke to Abraham and said, through you, the entire world will be blessed. And Sarah overheard it and laughed and they came up with a carnal way. But then it says, Sarah, who was too old, and Abraham, being as good as dead, she considered him who was faithful. And so she had hope in what he had promised. And to bring this all back to that simple idea of what we've been talking about, God is faithful. And he's made you promises, and you can have hope in the promise. So have faith in, so faith is just confident trust in God, and hope is a confident expectation of a good thing. You can be confident that God will be God for you. But do you know how to hold that promise inwardly till it makes you confident to actually expect that thing? I don't mean like you trying your faith convinces God to give you something or any of that kind of mumbo jumbo. I mean, you acknowledge the character of who God is. And you trust you will be that in my life. That, this aspect of your character, God, is more real to me than this lack and this sickness and this depression that I'm experiencing. You and who you are as an abundant provider, a source of life and peace, that's more real to me. Now, how can I sit within that and allow that to shape my mind and my thinking and my heart till it actually produces a real change in my life? You know, we, I, I like to preach so much week after week on the finished work of the cross, who you are in Christ, understanding all that, so that you can hear a message like this. Because when you go and you go sit and you start, and I don't mean get introspective, I don't mean try and evaluate and try and figure out where you messed up. I mean, you're going to sit and you want to actually experience change in your life. You have to know that God is good in that moment. 
You have to know that you're complete in Him, that your righteousness is of Him and not of you, that you are a holy dwelling place of God because the blood of Christ has cleansed you. He's removed that root of sin and He's placed His own spirit within. You have to know those kinds of things when you engage this process. Otherwise, you're going to really beat yourself up when you go there. So, homework and then a warning with the homework. If you feel yourself getting more and more negative toward yourself, stop it. Are you with me? Like, just go ahead and decide right now, I'm not going to let the negative thought patterns run and run and run and run. I'm going to give myself permission to acknowledge those negative thought patterns. I'm going to give myself permission to not judge myself. And I'm going to set myself up where I'm going to take something that's reminding me of who God is, and I'm going to sit within that until the Word of God actually produces hope within me, and it leads me to life and peace. Because Christianity, for far too long, has been about learning the proper interpretation of Scripture, keeping the rules, staying out of sin, rather than having a real interaction with the indwelling Spirit of God until it produces life and peace, until it produces actual, real, lasting fruit in your life. I'm not interested in trying to give you a bit of information. I want you to experience relationship with your Father. I want you to know what it's like to be sitting there feeling the doom and the gloom and the darkness and those overwhelming emotions that start to creep in and you can stop yourself and say, no, my God loves me and my reality is I am at peace with him and he in me is stronger than anything that I can face. Can you do that? Because otherwise we can just, you know, switch gears and make Christianity about the behavior modification and, you know, trying to figure out who's in and who's out and all that kind of stuff. I don't think you're here for that. I think you're here because you want to be a disciple. You want to follow Jesus. Because there's something about his love for you that's real to you. And and you see, you've seen it in your life. It's it's real. I I I want to experience more of that. He doesn't have more to give you, but you have more to experience. Amen? And I just see it. I'm just looking at each person here, and I'm seeing the heart of the Father and how he looks at us. And he just has nothing but overwhelming acceptance and wide open arms and compassion for you where you are. He knows where you are. He sees you. He's looking at you, and he understands where you are. Jesus became human and went through everything that you're facing so that he could walk you through and deliver you from whatever this world brings against any human. But how do we make that a real thing? How do we make it a real thing in our daily lives to actually be shaped and molded by Christ unto His glory, but also in a real way so that it affects our personal mind and our relationship with Him? Are you with me? I want it to be real for you. I want it to be real for me. I don't want to play a game. I don't want to just play church. I don't want it to feel heavy but I want you to have hope. I want you to honestly look at your life and say, you know what, I don't, I don't know that I make room for God all that. I'm not talking about whether you get healed or not or whether a magic check comes in and pays all your bills for you. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. 
I'm talking about you just having hope. Amen. 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 Having peace. Being able to arrest your mind and stop and experience the joy of the Lord in that moment in a very real way. I've tried to say it like 27 different ways, but, you know, it's really a very simple thing. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. The more you experience it, the more you experience life the way he actually intended it, and the more you get to invite other people into that kind of intimacy with him. That's all I want to do. I, I, all I want to do is, is present a place where people come in and all the junk falls away and they have a relationship with God that transcends any and everything. Amen. 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 And it's through Jesus, and he showed us exactly who the Father is. Let's just keep doing that. Because we got stuff to do. There's a lot of people that don't know. There's a lot of people that, you know, a lot of well-meaning Christians that don't really know the character and, and love of God toward that's right. them. That's who we seem to reach the most, people that have been hurt by church, people that have been stuck in legalistic Christianity, realize that, no, there's got to be something different, a better way. That's who, that's who God seems to be sending us to. That's who gets attracted to a place like this. And we're just watching God continue to increase that, and, you know, I appreciate you guys being a part of that. Because we want to set people free from religion where they actually experience the love of God in their hearts. Because that is what produces transformation. Yes. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. So, you know, in a moment like this, we got transition, but here's how you can actually begin to put it into practice. Don't pay attention to the people moving around. Don't worry about the baskets. Don't worry about if you don't have enough money to give. You want to give. You don't want to give. Don't worry. Just forget all that. All right? You just center your attention on the Lord. That's why we're here. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We acknowledge that you are here with us. You are here with us. By your spirit, we are one with you. We are safe in you. We are hidden with you in God. Our rightful place is at the right hand of the Father forever in that seat of acceptance. We just acknowledge that you're our Lord and you're our God. Jesus, I give you my heart to continue to teach me who you really are, to continue to help me understand how to set aside carnal thinking and adopt spiritual thinking, which just tends toward life. Jesus, thank you that you're teaching me how to hold the truth within me to produce radical transformation. I'm sick of the world limiting me. I'm sick of the world keeping me down. I'm sick of the choices that I make. I'm sick of being worried about this world and what it looks like and what it doesn't look like. God, I only want my mind to be filled with your thoughts. I want to be full of your compassion for people. I want to wake up and acknowledge who you are, enjoy my union with you, and be an, and be an ambassador on this planet proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. And whether that's in my job, whatever that is, it doesn't have to look like anything. Wherever I go, I just want to be a source of love so that people encounter who you really are. You know, maybe you've never acknowledged him. You've never believed on him. Just in this moment, just turn your heart toward him. Just acknowledge Jesus. I believe that you died for me. I believe you conquered the grave. You destroyed the power of sin. You rose again, presented your blood, your life as that perfect human 
so that I could be right with God through what you've done because I can't make it on my own. I acknowledge that. I thank you for that. Jesus, we trust you. We trust you. We love you. Amen.